Hey, welcome everybody to the Sacramental Charismatic. I am your host, Luke Garrity. It's been forever since I had an episode, and I'm really excited about today's conversation, as well as having on today's guest. I have known today's guest, Elias Wallace, for at least 20 years. We were just trying to figure out how long it's been. Uh, Elias is a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say you're a rapper, you are a poet, you are a singer, you are a philosopher. Some of these things like maybe not technical, but you are. Uh, we used to box, not each other, but we both have a boxing background. You are an educator. You are a missionary. You're a disciple maker. You're a father and you are a husband. And I'm sure there's other things that you are that you could uh, tell us about too. But welcome to the show. And maybe uh, let us know, like, I don't know, what, what, are you, what are you up to these days? Where are you from? Why are you wearing uh, in, in most situations, a French, uh, hat, one of those little, little French things. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, I mean, uh, first of all, it's awesome to be with you, Luke. It's been, been a long time. Uh, you know, as, as you said, we've, we've been friends for many years, um, going all the way back to California. I think when, when I was yeah. the first time we got like, actually got to like hang out and, some time together back in California, uh, back when you were in a group called Sackcloth Fashion, and yeah. that's like really a, a long time ago. And you were rapping, and at that time, <laughs> I was rapping a bit too. And, um, like we're talking like '98, I think yeah, we, we like knew each other before then, though, right? Because before I moved out to California, where right. I live now, um, and where you're at right now, I believe, um, we yeah. were we were like you were in Atlanta back in the day and we were that was back when uh god's house i think god's house in the hip-hop zone <laughs> like yeah. it was when the internet first started having like rap people <clears throat> out there yeah it was really a really long time ago um it's it's it's, it's funny how time will, will, will pass i mean because yeah. but i think the, the the time when we spent the most time together was when we went on tour together and um that was when i think you know most people don't realize this but you know you have friendships with people so if you go on tour with people, that's like uh, so much time that you spend with them that it's kind of like three weeks is like three years, you know, like yeah. and that, that's how much time for you, you for you. It felt like three years for me. It felt like three days because you were such a fun <laughs> to be with. But, no, I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, like, most of the time you don't really spend like uh, that much time with people. You, you meet real. in the passing and you hang out. But when you're on tour, Absolutely. it's like 24 seven and you talk about yeah. everything by the third day <laughs> so then it's just about being friends and yeah everything after that so i so still tell really people stories i still yeah. tell people stories about when we were in toronto because we we toured like canada and yeah. uh and we were doing the underground backpacker raps battle raps and things but uh i remember yeah. when we were like yeah. staying that one night in that i think it was a crack house i'm pretty sure it was a crack house it was uh, definitely a crack house yeah yeah <laughs> i was in the basement and you were upstairs, I think, and like people were coming inside and outside all night long. Yeah. And when you yeah. came down to wake me up, uh, I was just laying there waiting for you because I, I thought I was going to get murdered. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember waking up. I mean, I was asleep, you know, on the couch. And then I remember waking up <clears throat> and there was like a, a dog dead in my face like this, just like just breathing yeah. in my face. And then I looked over and there were two like zombie looking people sitting in chairs right across from me, just like sitting there mm. looking at me and just like spaced out of their minds. And I was like, yeah, it's, just, it's definitely a crack house. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what we used to do back in the day. We were touring. That, that's life we on the road. I mean, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Underground backpacker battle mm. raps. That's what I like to think about. But, uh, you know, you and I have both been, um, I think, you know, we've been, we've always had a kind of a cool relationship where we had this love for underground hip hop and hip hop in general. And then also we have had this, um, this relation, well, our relationships with Jesus and our faith and have been involved and in, interested in a lot of like philosophical and theological topics. And then I think, you know, as of late in the last, I don't know, last few years, we've talked a lot about, um, 
you know, through through messenger and whatnot. We've been talking a lot about uh, discipleship right. and mission. And so, you know, just to kind of bring up all of our all our uh, listeners and viewers, you know, you and I did the underground backpacker rap thing. Uh, you also were involved in education as a vocation uh, to pay bills. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and actually, you were on my first rap album back yeah. in the day. And you also used to have an after school program for all these kids. And we had all those kids battle me and we put that all on that first rap album and that was great um hilarious but you uh but like the last couple of years you've had like this shift and transition um to maybe being more focused on i think on the discipleship end of things maybe and then mission like you know tell like i'd love to hear your story about how you went from being you know this this musician which you still are rapper singer touring i mean you toured all over um, and then you also were involved in education in the school system. And now what are you doing and what have you been doing and what's the plan for the future? Yeah, well, that's interesting because if, if actually I trace it back and um, it's really interesting, you're, you're in that, that uh, genesis of me moving from, from just like kind of being a spitter to an underground hip hop to uh, a singer. And what happened was uh, uh uh, I, I had sung a song, um, I sung a hook for a song that you did about your twins um, mm-hmm. and that had that, that uh, uh, had passed away. And um, I don't know if I should speak of that, but but, uh, but, yeah. but I, I did it in the I did I sung that hook and and um, I've been really interested in melody because I'm just drawn toward it. And uh, so you let you gave me the space to be able to do that. And then I think a, another producer in in Europe that you were working with, a guy mm-hmm. named Michael Munk, he uh, he heard it, and then from there um, we ended up doing stuff together. Then I ended up in a band called Defonics uh, in in Denmark. I was playing shows throughout Europe, doing songs with them, uh, and then uh, from there I went to another band called Otis Stacks that kind of semi blew up and had millions of views on on youtube and 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 you have you did a song with who you have a video and a song with who i just need you to say it oh i did a song with gift of gab and um for anybody who's into hip-hop like gift of gab when i first saw that i was like i'm never talking to him again elias (laughs) has blown up like there will never ever be like yeah, yeah. Crazy. It's, it's really, really cool to be able to do. Uh, I did a show with him in, in Marseille, France as well. And that, that was cool. Mm. So, so I, you know, I had this opportunity to, to go back and forth to Europe and specifically to France over and over and over. And um, I can remember a, a specific time when I was uh, uh, traveling in, in France and I was on the train. And, you know, when you're in a city, if you're from a city, you grew up in the urban area and you're taking public transit. I mean, the vibe is like, you know, eyes straight ahead, don't make eye contact. You're in your world. I'm. You, everybody's in their own bubble, uh, and you just ignore people, and you go to where you need to go because the only people that really want to talk to you are weirdos. And yeah. and you know, so it's just going to be like a, a you know issue or a problem or something like that. So this is true if you grew up in kind of an urban area, which which I did. So I was on the train. I had my earbuds in. I was like vibing out to some Frank Ocean or something like that. And then I heard, uh, I, I had like this sense, this almost audible sense of, of God saying, do I not love them? And um, uh, I, I thought in my mind, like, well, well yeah, yeah, you, you, you love these people. And so then I went from my super kind of like not looking at anybody to kind of being aware and looking around at everyone. And and uh and then we, we we kept going on the train a little further and 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 I started to get back into like just listening to my music and ignoring people again. And I was like, do I not love them? Second time. And um, this time it kind of got my heart a little bit, a little 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 pain uh, in my heart. And and I started noticing people: the tired mother with the child, the guy coming back dirty uh, and, and worn out from work. You know, just regular, just people. Uh, instead of objects, actual people that God loved uh, on this train, mm. and I thought, yeah, 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 you, you, you love them, you love them. And then we stopped at this third stop, and the doors opened, and uh, I heard like, "Do I not 
loved them. And, and in the distance, I could hear kids laughing and playing at a school, like not far from the train stop in, uh, in Paris. And, and I realized in that moment, there would be kids who would be born, who would live and who would die. And they might never even meet a Christian, um, mm. let alone hear the gospel from a, from a Christian uh, or develop a relationship. So, <clears throat> so I really had a sense of like, oh my gosh, God really, really loves these people. And I'm in a country in which like, it, it was Christian at one time, but now less than 1% of the population is evangelical or Christian or anything like that. And even of the people who are, who are Catholic, most don't actually believe in God. They're just like cultural Catholics. They're just, you know, mm. it's part of the culture, part of the history. Yeah, yeah. It's not really something that they really fully believe in, although some do. Um, but for the most part, the majority of the population is either agnostic or uh, atheist and, mm. and completely secular. And so uh, I was really struck by that. And then um, so I thought, well, well, I mean, I just want to be a better witness as I as I. You know, I'm and out here doing music and just, you know, just just be be loving to people. And I got to be honest, you know, like when you're doing, I've never uh, really been that inculcated in the in the uh, the Christian music industry. I was never really a part of mm -hmm. that. Um, I've always been just doing my music as music uh, in the secular scene. And uh, sometimes I, you know, did things that were, you know, righteous in in that scene. And, but but it's very easy to get distracted, especially if you're just like kind of out there alone. So mm -hmm. um, uh, either were times when when my my uh, lifestyle and my choices were not necessarily honoring to God. So I was like, okay, I need to get this in line, you know, and 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 really, you know, <clears throat> be be a light in the darkness, and recognize that uh, yeah, for sure, I I, I want to be a light, Lord. I want to be a light. I, I don't want to make Christian music. Is that I don't know what that means. I just know that I mm -hmm. want to be a light and and let you shine through me. And yeah. and so that's that's what I try to do. And I remember being doing shows, um, and then people coming up to me after the shows and saying, like, you know, you really touched me. Um, uh, it, it was really moved. And I and I started to realize, I started to realize that something that I think everyone should know that it's a simple idea, but we forget. And that is that the Holy Spirit is constantly working inside of everybody all the mm -hmm. time. And um, it wasn't my job to go out and convert people or to do any of those kinds of things, but instead to recognize that he had been at work in people's lives and to mm -hmm. allow him to use whatever small gift or tool or opportunity that I had to be able to then... Um, uh, love people, just be free to love people and to care about them. Mm, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, and so that was like a, a, a revelation, but it got me going on that journey and, and a real sense of like, okay, God, you want me to do something um, with the, the, the French people? And that put me on a journey mm. toward actually uh, in 2019, 2020, I, I uh, moved my entire family to France. And uh, we lived there last year. Um, yeah. And so just so your whole family, that's your wife. And then you've got a number of kids too, correct? Not as many as you, but I, mean, I try. No, so you I, don't. I, I, <laughs> no, you don't. I have three, I have three kids. Um, uh, I have a 17 year old, uh, a 14 year old and an 11 year old. Yeah. So your whole, your whole family, all five of you moved from basically mm -hmm. LA, LA area uh, mm -hmm. to France. And you did that in order to um, engage in disciple making mission. And, right. and also like there's this there's this thing we've talked a lot about with culture, because I love to actually talk a little bit more about what you brought up there, because you and I both like back in the day, um, I did get exposed a little bit to the Christian machine, <laughs> the music right. machine, you know, because like I think you and I both were just doing underground rap. Like I was just yeah. this MC that was going to underground battle rap places, you know, like not Christian at all. You were doing the same thing where you were at. And then I ended up, um, you know, getting connected to a group that was on a Christian label and all that stuff and did that for a little bit. And then went back to doing like the underground thing because 
I always struggle with, I think the same thing that you, I, I mean, we've always kind of had this like similar like view on how the Christian bubble, um, which is very you, like churches can be the Christian bubble and not be engaged in mission, right? They're just engaged in furthering the mission of the church, <laughs> the uh, churchianity, I guess. Um, you know, but like with music, it was always interesting too, because it seemed like there were a lot of Christian rappers who were making great worship rap. That's the way I describe it. But it wasn't the kind of underground hip hop that people in a club would actually listen to. Like they just wouldn't do it. You know, it's like, oh, that's whack. Right. You know, and so we were like, I, I guess we were like, I always used to kind of describe my music as like, well, it's socially conscious, you know, because like people could get down with that. Like, oh, OK, so you're not talking about gang gang banging or, you know, like all these crazy, you know, drugs and shooting people. And I was like, nah, nope. You know, mostly just talking about maybe a lot of culture things and, and issues that we saw. So, you know, what do you think about like, and this is super old school question, but you know, like, are, were you a Christian rapper or a rapper that is a Christian? And how do you, how do you think about really more so, I think more appropriately for today, what's your understanding of art and culture in, in the church? Because you and I've talked about many times in the past about how like the church used to be at the forefront of culture and art. Yeah. And then it, and then it got, it got like off. And now we basically, um, one of the reasons why you usually cannot stand the most, most Christian rap, because it was like, all we did was say, Oh, Hey, who's the, who's the most popular artist. Let's go find a Christian version of that and just make, make music that sounds just like that. So we can appeal to the youth group kids. No, no names, no, 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 uh, people guilty that we may or may not know, but, um, you know, yeah. there seems to be like a massive, disconnection though um in that way of doing art from mission and from discipleship and from worship and and it you know i guess i'd love to hear you think a little bit more about that um because for our for this podcast you know i've really thought a lot about this what i call the sacramental charismatic like worldview and the yeah. thing about the sacramental theology is it would not see such a dis such a disconnection between the physical and the spiritual, like the sacred and the secular, those lines get blurred a little bit because like there's these sacramental spaces where the spirits at work, kind of like what you're saying, like you're in a train, you're traveling in the city. It's, there's no, you know, there's no um, religious relics or things around you, but yet you have this yep. encounter with God because it's a space. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts about, you know, that's a lot, but I'd love to have you talk yeah. about that culture. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but <clears throat> I, I, I think the first thing is that when uh, when I was younger, I, I didn't really know how to navigate that. There was an angst. I had an angst. On the one hand, here I was, someone who was clearly a, a follower of Jesus uh, and trying to live my life in a different kind of way than, say, mm -hmm. everyone in my neighborhood or, or um, you know, just... Just, I'm, I'm living my life in a different kind of way, and <clears throat> uh, and I and I also love hip hop, and and I grew up around it, and I, I, I love music, and I and I and I ha I can't not create it. So I had that, and and then there's this whole other industry and group that says that everything that you do, then if, if music is just a tool for ministry. First of all, I didn't understand that particular polemic. Uh, it didn't mm -hmm. seem to me uh, that that there was anything specifically great or different or uh, uh, about music that would cause it to have to be uh, like uh, used in as a tool for evangelizing. Mm -hmm. um, and I just don't make that kind of music. That's not what I do. And so I was yeah. like, like um, I would have to like try to really hard to force myself, and then it'd be fake. And and so then I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do whatever I feel like doing. And but it, but it, but because of that, it created angst. Now what? Now as I moved further away from it, what I realized is that um, that that in in America there there's there's been a culture war going on, you know, for the past mm -hmm. 40, 50, 60 years. And and in that culture war, you know, the 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 evangelical community has kind of framed itself against what they see as the secular world. And, um, you know, the sacred secular divide going all the way back to Kant in the Enlightenment, you know, all those things we could get into, um, you know, 
in its in its own right because I think it negatively affects the entire space as we move forward. However, yeah. um, just in terms of of of, of this specific part of um, uh, culture, what Christians tend to do was is create parallel culture, mm-hmm. and a par- and it's, it's mimicking the culture that already exists, but it but it's trying to put a Christian spin on it, which um, in the great like. Uh, the 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 great theologians at South Park did this episode one time where they they wanted to start a Christian band. So so uh, yeah, yeah. they took they took all the love songs and did put Jesus in there. And this is essentially yeah, yeah. what was happening, you know. Yeah, like we with, sing with on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, just take a I love her or whatever and put in God, and then and then it yeah. works, you know. But, and so that's what I would see. Like, I was like, that's not real to me, and I don't want to do that. If I want to do that, then I'm going to write a song that that. Now, I am not like big or important or anything. I'm just, I just wanted to uh, be kind of authentic. And so I think that's what you start to realize is that there isn't such a thing as Christian music. There's just um, music and, yeah. and it's, it's a cultural artifact of humanity. And, and the, the kind of music or kind of artifact that is created by people um, is is going to be directly attributed to what they value and and mm. and whatever that value is. So you know it's yeah. it's important to kind of see that that distinction and difference, and know that there isn't a parallel track in which, if you say the right amount of words uh, about Jesus, you know you you met the right yeah. quota, then now that's a Christian song. Or, or if yeah, your yeah. theology is perfect, then now it's a because if that was the case, we we would need people to first of all be. Um, we, we would definitely need people to to be um, uh, gatekeepers of that, uh, and mm. you know people do set themselves up. I just don't think that it matters. I mean, what yeah. matters is create culture that is authentic and real. So mm. that's, that's part of it. It seems like it seems like with that, I've, I've thought about that, like because I do. I'm still trying to figure this out a little bit, <laughs> like when I when I'm trying to think about because I remember when we were like younger, that was the big debate, you know, like. Yeah. You know, like you got, you, you know, there was like groups like cross movement. I think that'd probably be the, you know, the equivalent back in the day, they were doing Jesus raps and it was like very much like the kind of music that, and I didn't, I didn't even not have a, I, I liked a lot of cross movements music. It was the lyrics yeah. were great. You know, I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is great Christian edifying music, but like you are not going to enter into the type of underground clubs that you and I used to go into and, and do yeah. shows at with that it's just not going to happen you know or if you did you're not going to get a chance to do more than 30 seconds of your song um you know but i do i've thought about that with like music that gets sung in churches whether it's hymns or you know what do we call contemporary worship whatever like sometimes when i do hear songs i'm like i kind of wish they had consulted some theologians <laughs> like i, I mm-hmm. actually think that there is a role for that and um so there seems <laughs> to be a difference between making music just from the perspective of like um, adding to culture and, and providing a like your own personal perspective or, you know, as a follower of Jesus, I would I would assume that we're both sharing from our Christian perspective, you know, you know, whatever it is. Um, but it, it's like there is some difference, I think, to that um, space than what we do on Sunday mornings when we're singing those type of songs, because those type of songs yeah. are, I think, intentionally spiritually formative. Right. They are actually shaping us and orienting us around certain values and certain biblical themes you know but there seems to be like there seems to be a difference though (laughs) like between hey i'm an artist and i'm making music and the intention is to like share my perspective which is is what a lot of people do i think that i'm making music versus hey i'm writing this song because i feel like the holy spirit gave me these words to help draw us as a community into an aspect of of worship and awe and i don't necessarily think that yeah, like I don't think those are bad though. Like, no. I, and I don't know. Like, I'm still trying to figure that out, you know, because there was this Vineyard album, uh, a Vineyard music album that came out a long time ago. Um, that was really like the song Breathe was on it, which was, you know, it's still, I think, you know, sung by a lot of churches. But in the liner notes, they actually talk about how they had consulted this, uh, this Vineyard theologian who's kind of a legend in that movement called Don Williams. And Don Williams had given them theological, theological consulting. And I was like, that's actually really cool, you know, when I had first discovered that. And then uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, one of my friends, Mac, um, was doing a worship 
conference and he had me come in as a theologian to like give a biblical theology of worship. And all these songwriters were like, oh yeah, we had never thought about how as worship leaders, we are actually <clears throat> teaching theology because I really do believe with all of my heart that people will remember and are shaped more by the songs that we sing on Sunday than the sermon. Like I preach the sermon and I generally do not remember what I preached at. By Tuesday, I'm like, I think I talked about Jesus, I hope, but I'm not really sure about anything beyond that, you know? Whereas right. like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're like, you know, we're humming the chorus, you know, or whatever. I, think, I don't know if you want to go there, but I mean, that's a, first of all, that's a really great point. There, you know, anything that's like specifically like uh, created for the sole purpose of trying to bring praise and worship to God uh, does need, you know, we want to be able to, to uh, really focus that in and make it, make it truthful. So you, you have a, have a really good point. Um, and then also, uh, you know, James K.A. Smith, you know, somebody that you, you, uh, I think it was the first person that told me to read some of his books. So I read some of his books and I, just, I was like, you need yeah, to read James K.A. Smith. Yeah, definitely <laughs> fell in love with that guy um, and his work. And so uh, one of the things he says is that worship is really the like kind of like the uh, compass that reorients our soul mm, and yep, then yep. to bring it into to uh, 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 the singing. I think th this is where we can get into the idea of the power of art and the mm. power of music. So there is uh, quite a bit to be said for the power of art. And it, it's something that will allow me to kind of give myself permission to go full time into to, to doing music as well. Um, and that is that uh, in, I, I started to discover that, that in a post-rational world um, where people don't kind of form all of their beliefs and their understanding uh, from thought and reason, um, that, that there's this underlying um, world of, of uh, a bed bedrock, so, so to speak, of, of metaphor that um, they would use to kind of help them understand and give give purpose to their narrative that, that, that kind of was under mm. the surface. Um, and so this, this uh, it's more of what you feel before you can say. That's why when you hear mm. some things, if it resonates with um, the the narrative you believe in or the idea, mm -hmm. then you it feels true before you can articulate how it is yeah, yeah. that it is true. Um, yeah. And sometimes that can be bad. However, yeah, yeah. What, what art has the capacity to do is that it speaks almost entirely in metaphor, whether it's, mm -hmm. whether it's visual, whether it's dance, whether it's uh, film, whether it's uh, music, that it speaks mostly in metaphor. So we feel something before we understand exactly what that thing is. And there's a power in that. And then mm. also an accountability and responsibility for the artist as they mm -hmm. as they create. Understanding that like, yeah, you can speak on things in, in ways that are, that are you know emotive and powerful that can then make, help people go, oh, and understand something on a deeper level that may have been stirring us mm. out yeah i think you know i think like the whole idea of gatekeeper go back on that because i don't want anybody to think like oh luke thinks that there should be gatekeepers like i i'm not necessarily saying that because i do think that there is a there is a uh the best way to say it is that there's like a really complicated relationship between um artists and then everybody else <laughs> and i think in the yeah. church you know like i think i first got tuned on turned on to this like as a reality for local churches was there was a book uh, back in the day called the heart of the artist. Um, and it was written by, I think the worship leader or the arts director at Willow Creek church, which now, you know, everybody knows because of the problems they had. But at the time, back in the late nineties, it was like the happening thing, you know, and it was just exploring how, you know, the, to understand, there has to be a, a give and take um, from artists as well as, you know, I guess the, the traditional church leader type people. But I think I think just in the church or in the, in our Christian faith in general is probably true, because on the other hand, it's like American Christians oftentimes have oftentimes have no imagination and no ability to even you know um, use a creative approach to listening to art in general. You know, it's like I think that's especially true in the Christian rap conversation because there were a lot of people who were like, no, no, every song has to be doctrinally correct. 
you know, yeah. and like it better be teaching sound doctrine, which would always felt like I was just, man, these are like all Baptists or something like this feels very Baptist. It was a lot um, of nuance. Not, the nuance yeah, not, not that I don't like Baptists. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think what, what the, the problem is, of course, is that that um, there were the, everybody has different gifts. Um, yeah. uh, but that doesn't mean that everybody is a, is is necessarily like an evangelical minister, like or an evangelist. Yeah. Um, I think that that you you take whatever gift you have and and then you use it as authentically as you as you can um, yeah. in 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 your life. Whether you're really great at drawing, or whether mm -hmm. you're a good at encouraging people, or maybe you're a great engineer. Um, nobody looks at an engineer and says, you know, like were you Christian enough in your engineering today? I mean, it was really more about whether or not that that gift and and that uh, you know in math or, or whatever was being used, uh, and they, they were yeah. living in in a, in a righteous way. Um, yeah. And and so the 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 music was kind of elevated to um, to become a, a message tool, and there's a and like you said, there is a place for that, but mm -hmm. it uh, but the but for many of us. Um, art is more about suggestion and question mm -hmm. and nuance. And that's a very uncomfortable space for many Christians to be in because um, especially, you know, when you're talking about people who are uh, maybe reformed theology or something, and, they, and there's a lot of people who just have a real sense of like everything is known. Mm -hmm. And um, it, yeah, it's like it, a like a really naive epistemology in a sense. And in an appeal to like this need to have empirical certainty on everything, ignoring the fact that faith seems to almost indicate the exact opposite. And that, and, that and life does. And and yeah, life yeah. is confusing. I mean, can, if somebody tells me like they know exactly why COVID nineteen happened in in twenty twenty, then I just think they're nuts. Like there's mm -hmm. there's mystery that's there. There's um like a. a the reason why people are are often pulled toward uh, like conspiracy theories is because you get rid of the mystery. Like mm -hmm. there's suddenly yeah. a, 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 an explanation, as far fetched and as weird as it might be. There's an explanation. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for why this thing can happen. But real yeah. life doesn't always have reasons that we will ever understand in this lifetime. And yeah. I think for some that, people, that parallel, who's, yeah. I was going to say that parallel parallels a lot like how people approach the Bible too, you know, be, I mean, actually it's exactly how they do that when they read the script, read scripture, because it's like, you know, you have, you have a whole canon of scripture where you have biblical authors that would write things that you and I would say, yes, that's true. That is a, that's a accurate representation of who God is. But then you have other passages. I think in Ecclesiastes is almost always the perfect example of how, the author of Ecclesiastes is clearly contrasting um, all these different philosophies and worldviews against what would be like what we would call a, a in that in that context a Yahweh or a Israel um, you know or a biblical a Hebrew Bible worldview um, you know because I think the way that we approach Scripture seems to also kind of um, cause a lot of this this especially with an American or or perhaps Western evangelicalism you know this our weird relationship with art because it's like we're trying to parse art in the same way that we parse scripture but we're parsing it in a very um you know like a very foundationalist way of reading it and we're you know yeah. picking and choosing which verses are going to apply today and which ones we're just going to be like oh that's that's not comfortable so let's go ahead and just you know ignore that because right. i thought i think the perfect example of that is that song we did you know so as you hinted at you know, my wife and I had our first pregnancy. We're like super excited. My wife has a miscarriage and we lose twins. We find out we have twins. And like you, when you listen to the lyrics of the rap verses that I'm doing, they're not like glory to God, <laughs> you know, sovereign. <laughs> you are amazing. I'm so happy. You know, it's like, hey, this is the trauma. And I remember when I was writing that, how my wife um, was in the other room just grieving. I mean, every night just sobbing, you know, and it was like my way of handling my grief was to write a rap song, you know, and to like talk about how I was feeling, you know, because now I listen to lyrics and there's a line in there uh, about doing, you know, violence. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, 
that I should get canceled. I'd get canceled now. I, you know, yeah, yeah. Actually, maybe I shouldn't let people know about that song. I might get canceled if they go back and listen to it because you can cancel people for past oh, previous yeah. things now. So, yeah. So I want to yeah, let everybody know Elias Wallace was also on that song. If you're going to cancel anybody, you should cancel both of us. Just yeah, I don't think it's going to be long before I'm canceled anyway, so it doesn't really yeah. matter to me. But <laughs> I, I, I think, I think what's interesting about that is like there, there is a sense in which the people believe that everything is knowable um but the, the mm. truth of the matter is there are times when i'm when i'm reading scripture and i feel more like the ethiopian eunuch than i feel <laughs> like Philip. so like even just as an example i just studied isaiah not long ago love isaiah amazing book there are mm. chapters in isaiah where i'm like huh like yeah yeah <laughs> i don't understand this i don't know how it fits and then there's, there's other ones that smack you dead in the face and you go this is mm -hmm. all jesus this is all Jesus. This is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, but there are other times where I just, I'm like, I don't think I understand this one. And yeah. that uncomfortable, like, uh, tension that we have to live in when we don't understand something or we don't grasp nuance. Um, mm. I think that's where, um, I, I, I think that's like the liminal space, the in-between space before, mm -hmm. before where we, where we're going and where we are. Um, that we that art in my case my art often inhabits um mm. it's this reaching that's quite beyond us now sometimes as we grow older we discover that the reason we didn't understand something wasn't because it wasn't understandable it was because we hadn't walked through that that place mm -hmm. and when you yeah. walk through that place then you go okay okay now now mm. i understand uh but i could not have understood and there's yeah. and it's possible that there are some things that we simply uh in this life will not uh, understand and not walk through and we have to be able to embrace mm -hmm. mystery um and that is the greatest difficulty of the modern secular mind anyway because we suggest that everything is knowable nothing mm -hmm. is magic you know so we're outside of the the world of magic and um and, and the unknowable um so that our human mind can now know everything and um, and then that that has permeated through Christianity as well in, in the Western mm. the sense mm. that uh, we have also we like we also have a belief system in which we can know everything because God is sovereign mm -hmm. and that is absolutely true God does know everything but we don't <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um, yeah it's so a, it's a really it's a really bad um, epistemology to operate off of because it actually not only in, uh, it, it actually inhibits our own faith, it damages our own personal faith. Like I, one of my favorite quotes um, from uh, Matt Redman, who's, you know, this music sing songwriter, but I heard him say it at a, at a um, uh, I guess a concert that I, I was at. He said, you know, where there is no mystery, there is no worship. And there's this thing about our own personal faith. I think that has to have an aspect of mystery, which is probably why, as I kind of came to this place of, being this charismatic who started exploring the sacramental traditions and then wrote my dissertation on this intersection. That was one of the things that I found most um, like empowering and encouraging to my, my own faith was this aspect of like, there's a lot of mystery. We don't know the answer to these things, but I think it's also really important for mission and disciple making. So I'd love to, you know, talk a little bit about that with you as well, because I know that, um, you know, it seems like you and I talk more about mission and disciple making and formation than any other topic lately. You know, we're always talking about yeah. books and, yeah. and, um, you know, um, you, you've, uh, done a fair amount of, I guess what I would call relation, you know, building these relationships. It's just like your typical way of doing it. <laughs> you know, like, it seems to be like, Oh, this is, this is the most effective way, like forming relationships, getting to know people, sharing meals, building relationships, connecting with people, getting to know them. They get to know you. You start sharing your faith. I mean, tell us. Tell I love to hear about like, what does that look like in your in your life in France? You know, France is this. Um, I think in the West we are like, oh my gosh, France is such a secular place, and they hate Christians. They're basically killing them all. Um, they don't like them at all. You know, it, it's like this fear of of that culture. And so, you know, you're in a I guess a postmodern, post postmodern. Um, post-foundationalist, whatever you want to call it, context there. But then you also have been super involved in the underground hip-hop 
uh, world too, which is per, pretty much anti-religion, anti-established mm-hmm. religion generally. So like, mm-hmm. what what is sharing your faith and making disciples look like <clears throat> for you? And what's been effective? And maybe what hasn't worked? <laughs> okay, um, so, so I think what I realized after being in Europe for a while and touring and meeting people and um, loving people is I realized like, wow, you can't, you can't share your faith with somebody and think that um, that that's going to be have anything to do with like conversion. So this kind of concept of what evangelism was in 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 a in a kind of a a Christian context, you know, most people think like you know like the United States is is a Christian nation, or and, and comparatively speaking to Europe, which is a post-Christian uh, reality, it can't be. Or if you were to go to um, like India or something where it's non-Christian, you're not really allowed to share your faith uh, or you could get arrested in certain states. Um, you're not gonna get arrested if you share your faith, but it's pretty rude. You know, like it feels like, you know, you're pushing something on somebody and in a, in a kind of a way it is. And so I realized like, okay, so this is really like you disciple people toward Jesus. You mm-hmm let them like what did jesus do you know he like went around and he said hey you want you want to follow me you know like and and so they 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 just kind of watched him you cannot say that the disciples who followed jesus really did everything he said or even believed he was he was god for quite Mm -hmm. some time i mean they were they were hanging out with him for a couple of years before they go oh you're the messiah yeah you know like ah so, and I realized like that's actually the way um, that that it, that it works the best. It's not like it's um, not to dump on Billy Graham or any of the, the these are all great things, but but that's not um, necessarily um, the, the 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 way that it's going to be happening in most uh, settings. People uh, in a post-Christian study, they don't need you to to, to pray a prayer, walk away, and they're done. Um, like mm-hmm. th- that doesn't mean anything to them. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no other community in which they will find themselves embedded within and learning uh, and growing. Mm-hmm. So you, sh- you, you, you kind of like say, you know, like, oh, this is kind of what I believe, or this is how I live my life. And you know, um, as you live that out, then people are either interested or they're not. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, the truth is, if you live your life in the midst of people and, and you do it authentically, they will also see your inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so like, and, and they might call you out on it. And instead of feeling, feeling persecuted about that, perhaps that is the quickening that should bring you back to, uh, uh, you know, kind of examining your culture versus your, uh, mm-hmm. your faith. And, yeah. and um, I, I think that, that, that there's oftentimes, I've, I've been called out on things and then gone, well, that kind of hurt, you know, but they're not wrong. So um, then I had to readjust some things in my own life. And yeah, I think so as I started to, 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 to think about like, oh, wow, it takes discipleship. Then I was like, well, what does that mean? You know, like, so then I started to study, to study um, as many, just consume as many books on discipling as I could and seeing all the different angles. And, and um, I, I kind of landed, uh, uh the 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 most on kind of like the the approach uh uh like discovery uh bible studies and mm-hmm. that, that kind yeah. of approach dbs you know with with uh watson and, and paul watson mm-hmm. and got to meet and talk with him and, and get to know some of those people and kind of study the the way they did the, their approach and i kind of i really liked that approach of saying i want to empower like if a person is interested in following jesus that's awesome. So now mm-hmm. you're there. You're pretty interested. I said, and then I just say, I pump the brakes a little bit. I say, well, well, hold on. Let's find out more about who this Jesus guy is and about what he requires of our life. And then you decide if you really want to follow him. Yeah. And yeah. and 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 they go a little bit deeper and start and they start to have to 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 get into the Word of God and 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 look at things themselves. And as and I really believe that that's where the power. is. You know, getting people into the Word of God, developing their own efficacy. Um, uh, I don't know if that's a word that's used in, in uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a word used in like uh, education, Albert. Yeah, no, I mean, I think theologians use that word all the time. 
Okay, so yeah. you want to build the capacity of the of, of the disciples so that they can do the study and doing the learning, and yeah. that they're they're always thinking about uh, you know. Like, Maturity. I mean, you're talking about uh, discipleship actually helping people get off the milk and eat 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 the meat, <laughs> right? You just right, to right. Use, Be uh, because beautiful... yeah, yeah, and I mean, because I don't think that it's a, I don't think that it's a uh, an accident that that we have in this country such a um, uh, a mixing of dominionist theology and. Mm -hmm. uh, you know this mixing of, of politics and uh, uh, religion, uh, where where there's it's kind of this weird toxic blend that you see in, in yeah. the U.S. Um, and maybe somebody might argue that you could see it in like places like Russia or some places like that as well, where where the 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 uh, the religious kind of hold on to their ally. Um, uh, in the, the the power structure, so they can maintain some kind of relevance or strength, mm -hmm. or um, you know, as if that was the thing that mattered, you know, uh, as if that was the that was the actual power dynamic within the whole universe was just your government, um, yeah. or <clears throat> your country, or something like that, as if there wasn't some other perhaps universal power that was beyond that. So mm -hmm. I think that if you're not disciple enough, if you don't study on your own enough, it's very easy to fall under those kinds of like uh, falsehoods and uh, uh, just kind of weak ideas. Uh, and hmm. that really, that if you're if you're being discipled, what's happening is that the scripture is challenging your culture. It's challenging yeah. what you believe, and you're saying, not you're not you shouldn't really be saying like, uh, wow, you guys should change a lot. But instead, you you should be like, oh man, I I need to reevaluate that. I need to think. Yeah, yeah, about, yeah. You know. I heard, uh, you know, so the you know the discovery Bible study. Um, just for anybody who's interested in learning about that, I'll have a link to the book that um that basically kind of lays out that model. Um, but one of the things that I had somebody tell me, um, that was connected to that movement, was uh, Bob, um, um, man, my brain just uh, Bob. Uh, Logan, I wanted to say Robert Logan, but his name is Robert, but Bob Logan, who's written a ton of books on coaching and disciple making. And, uh, I, I got a chance to spend some time with him and he had this really, um, fascinating approach that, or I guess a fascinating look at this too, because he was doing the exact same thing. And he's been a kind of a pioneer in that world of discovery, um, and discipleship, but it's like the idea of how, in our or in a lot of our evangelical traditions, um, and I think especially in certain ones, it's about like getting your systematic theology right right away. You know, like I know a, a church in in the community that I'm in, they you can't become a member until you've done a ten week doctrinal course, and it's like they have this really high standard, and then you have to kind of like prove that you know enough, um, which I'm always fascinated by because. Um, it's like, man, I don't know. That seems like a lot to be a part of a church. You can't do that until you've passed their theology test, you know? Um, so that's one, one thing, but I've, I've also seen how we, even in other traditions do the same thing, kind of, you know, where it's like, we kind of give this pressure where you really need to know the word. And it's like, you know, you need to get, here's a class we've got, you know, it's all classes, I guess. And so he, uh, Bob Logan said in our, in our little groups, we've basically, we are discipling, discipling people like we are educating them beyond their obedience. And what he meant was that we basically tell them these are all the things you have to do to be a Christian. But people haven't discovered any of them on their own. Like they're not reading the Gospel of Luke and saying, oh, like Jesus says dot, 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 or the Gospel of Mark or John, you know, or, or any of the epistles uh, that Paul wrote or any scripture, right? I mean, the Old Testament. Um, and so they have all this information, but they're not living it. And so he's saying, hey, we've educated beyond, people beyond their obedience. They have all this information, but they're not doing any of it. <clears throat> Where What I love about the discovery model of discipleship, because what we're what I hear you saying is that you're almost saying, or you are saying that evangelism and discipleship should never have been divorced. We should never have ever been like, you know, here's the, the evangelism, and then later... <laughs> the discipleship it's actually happening happening simultaneously and people are reading scripture and they're discovering oh 
Jesus doesn't want me to do this anymore or say these things or act this way because they just read a narrative. They read one of the stories, you know, and they're like, oh, man. So in that model of like, okay, so what based on what we just read today in this passage, um, what do I need to apply to my life? Like that's a model that I think is is going to help me grow spiritually because then I can focus on working on that thing rather than like, oh my gosh, I have like this massive amount of information that I have to do right now. And it's just almost like, I don't know, maybe this is maybe this is the pragmatist in me or the pastor in me where I'm like, I think most people are just like, I ain't going to do it. It's too much. You know, like I, I'll never, ever. Well, yeah, you either are telling people to be perfect, which they can't be, and they know they can't be, um, <clears throat> which is not the crux of the faith at all. Um, or yeah. or you're saying you're never going to get there, and it's okay. You know, you can do whatever you mm -hmm. want. So um, I think that <clears throat> what, what, what for, for instance, it was very um, it's very instructive to be in a country in which the average amount of time to create a church um, or sometimes even to, to, to help lead someone to Christ is around 11 to 12 years. So yeah. um, if you're not going to do it in a sit down session where you're, so you need to, you need to think in a, in a far like uh, different um, pace, which is mm -hmm. instead of saying, I'm in a big fat hurry to make somebody sing, say a prayer or something and then give, yeah. and then, and then say, read this system, this book on systematic theology, and then you'll be good. Um, it, they're not living in a world in which they, they've been inundated with all these different ideas that are in the background, many of which are not even biblical, but are just cultural. Um, mm -hmm. but, they, but they mistake them as that. But, but if, if they're living in a post-Christian or a completely non-Christian environment, what that it means is that you are freed up to do one important thing, which is just love them. Just love mm. them. Not even with an ulterior motive. Not like, I love you so that you'll become a Christian. No, like, yeah, yeah. And do yeah. you really love them then? Like, or are you just like, what if they yeah. never say yes to Jesus? Will you still love them then? Like, what if they yeah. just go, no, nah, I don't like You've that Jesus You've got six thing. weeks. You have six yeah, weeks. And, and if, if you haven't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, so, it's so like a really bad way. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bad way it's to a, do discipleship. And so you just love people, and then, and then, um, as they, as they, as the Holy Spirit moves them, which you, you're recognizing it's not, it's not about you. It's what's you're being obedient to what whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you to do, and you're loving people. Mm -hmm. But, but it's the Holy Spirit that's moving in them. They'll come to you and be like, "Hey, um, so, so here's an example. Uh, I have a friend and." Uh, she she was just on the cusp of like becoming a Christian, and she'd she'd always be asking me to pray for her and stuff. And so so she started to ask, you know, uh, about this or about that. And then and then uh, uh, you know she came to me one day and was like, "Do you think I should stop stripping?" <laughs> and and I was like, "Well, <laughs> see see." So that, in other words, I didn't spend my time trying to tell her, "Hey, you should stop uh, stop stripping." Yeah. And I know you like it and every or it's your thing, you know, but um, like you shouldn't do that because you're a Christian or you want to follow Jesus. I didn't spend my time doing that. I wanted her to just get into the to to the word and to so forth. And then she came to me and said, like, do you think I should I should do that? And I said, well, what do you think the, the Bible says and what do you think God's telling? And she said, I just I'm starting to feel like maybe this isn't the right thing to, for me to do. What for you and I, maybe that's a simple thing to understand because we live in an environment in which, you know, there's all these rules and cultural uh, yeses and nos and so forth. But for someone who is completely new to it, this is just them reading the Bible and discovering it themselves. Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I don't. And then being convicted. Then they have the choice. They can follow or not follow. All of us mm -hmm. have that choice. It's easy for us to look at somebody and, and see their sin and go, hmm. It's very hard for us to look at ourselves in all of the small areas that nobody else sees where we sometimes go, oh, Jesus, I'm not going to follow you. Not here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is my thing. I'm going to do it. Well, if it was exposed, then everybody could be like, aha. Yeah, that's right. That's but, right. Uh, but yeah, we're all in that, that, that boat. So the, the fact that, mm -hmm. you know, that she was like, I think I got to stop doing this. That's. That's that is to me real discipleship because a person is choosing yeah. to do things because they see the value of following Jesus is greater 
than the value of not following. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, the process know, of, of discovery is like, it's hard to, it's hard to replace that because I would assume that anybody who comes to the place of discovering that for themselves is not going to probably go back on that, you know, because it's not you, it's not me doing something that someone told me not to do. It's me doing, not doing something because I came to the point where I had a conviction like, Hey, this is not okay anymore, which I, I think is not only powerful and helpful with the process of discipleship, like our own becoming more like Jesus, but also it seems to be like a clear indication of the Holy Spirit's work versus just doing something to check a, you know, check a box. Like in that case, you know, you're, when you asked her, uh, what's, what does she think? <laughs> She's, she seemed to be saying, well, the Holy Spirit seems to have been indicating to me that maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. It's like, that sounds like truth. a plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I've been yeah. in many situations too, where I've been like, you know, maybe working with a, discipling somebody um, from a r rough background or something. And they go, I don't know, man, like I'm reading this stuff in the Bible and I just like, I don't know if I can do all this. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not telling them to do anything. Yeah. So clearly that's coming. And, and so then I say, you know what? Maybe you're not ready. Maybe this isn't for you. Mm -hmm. And they have a choice. They can either say, okay, it's uncomfortable and I don't like it. You didn't give me permission to not do it and still follow Jesus. I just had a choice. I either got to follow him or I got not. Do I yeah. actually care about him? And so I think mm -hmm. that this, there's this That's sense good. in which we believe that the polemic, um, our argument is so important to persuade and convince people mm -hmm. as if it was determined by us. Like, and yeah. none of it is. None of it is determined by us. All we are is servants who love God who have been freed up on this earth to love others. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. And then we earn the right to be able to share what we believe um, with mm -hmm. other people. And so, you know, I have some friends who completely don't believe in God um, or, or, or anything like that at all. But they'll say things like, oh, man, you know, like, like, you've got this power about you. Like, there's this power. Sometimes, like, I say, I, I, when I'm around you, I get this energy or I get this. And, and so they attribute it to that. And I said, no, no, I think that's, that's just, you know, the God, God, uh, uh, you know, uh, what you're, what you're feeling is maybe, maybe something from the Holy spirit. Cause I don't have any power, mm -hmm. but then they'll interpret it different. Now, where, where will they be in 10 years? I don't know. Yeah. God's got them on a journey too. Right. Because here's what we mm -hmm. know. He had eternity to imagine everything that he would do in their life anyway. Mm -hmm. So so it's not as if God is at a loss, like, man, if if, if, if Elias had just said the right thing, yeah. if he had just given the best argument, if he had just done this, you know, it would it would make the difference. No, it's never been determined by me. And 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 you know mm -hmm. that's freeing in a way, but it also is a death blow to your ego. Um, and to this, I, this, this idea that most of us as Americans, who we really believe are kind of exceptional um, people mm. who are in control of, 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 of uh, you know, the world. And we're on this big, great crusade to have a whole bunch of people. No, we're not. We're just people mm -hmm. in this time who have been freed up to love other people, even their enemies, and then maybe earn the right to share more than that. And sometimes yeah. you don't. That, that reminds me of that. That I think it was Bishop Niles who said that Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. And I love <laughs> just that concept of like, because yeah. it, it is such a flattening, humble way of, of viewing our faith. You know, it's not like, and I think that's really a problem within, within American. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure it's not just American. I, I actually, I would know it's not just American, but what I've experienced a lot in, in uh, you know, in churches is there's definitely like this Pharisaic attitude oftentimes, or like uh, we've got it. Like we, we seem to think that, well, I'm clearly so intelligent and I made all these really great decisions. And so I deserve salvation because I knew the things to choose and I chose it. And all those other poor people out there are just stupid. You know, they're just dumb. And it's, it's, you know, like totally, totally overlooks grace you know, and the work of the spirit and how long God's been at work in our lives before we even come to a place of having any concept of, of what we should or should not be doing. So I, I like what you're saying a lot. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. And, and in that process, too, what you'll find is that 
if you're if you're trying to do a disciple relationship where you're the mentor and they're the mentee, um, then I, I think that's a one way to do it. Um, but it mm. also that's that kind of like a, you know a top down kind of relationship to me doesn't work mm-hmm. because what we're really saying is that the the like I'm completely imperfect. Anybody who knows mm. me actually knows that. Um, yeah. And and so so like the the uh, I make mistakes in business. I make mistakes in in uh, uh, in music. I make I've made I've I've, mm-hmm. I've done you know bad things that that I shouldn't have done in in all kinds of places in the world. And God has forgiven me, and I've moved forward, and I've grown as a man, and as mm. a as a uh, later as a husband, as a you know I've grown in a lot of areas, and God has forgiven me and helped me out. Um, but uh, but I think the that kind of having that this this true sense of like I know better than you, but I am not. My identity is not like uh, I'm just a sinner, and that's the way I am. My identity is in Christ, um, mm-hmm. and Christ is the victor. But um, but the Holy Spirit can use you, just like the Holy Spirit can use me. So if you could be mm-hmm. you could be discipling someone. And God will use them to speak to you, um, if you're if you guys are open with each other. So it's a much more equal footing kind of relationship. Even though you mm-hmm. might be someone who has a great deal more knowledge, um, it doesn't necessarily mean you always have a great deal more wisdom on that particular yeah, subject right. at that moment. That's right. So. Yeah, and I think that's you know really um, crucial to discipleship. You know, as the humility to to, uh, you know, to allow God to keep on working in other people's lives and to keep on reminding yourself that it's not contingent on whether or not you have all the answers or say the right thing, you know, like we want to be faithful and we want to be able to help people, but it's not like God's not at work. That's, that's really, really encouraging. Well, man, it's been awesome to be able to reconnect and, you know, also um, just, I think really think about art and culture, which I, I think we need to do another one of these to explore more on that, because I think, you know, you, uh, I know you thought about that a lot, and I, and I'm, I'm still like, so funny how, I mean, I've probably been thinking about the subject of art and culture and, and our faith for like twenty something years, and I still, I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like I, I read all these different theologians and I le- read all these different cultural critics, and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I've got a lot of concerns about, about where our um, society, where the church, where our allegiances are. You know, I think you're right about the mixture of politics and religion. I think that'd be a really fun conversation to have too, um, you know, in the future. But it, for right now, if any of the listeners want to um, stay connected, I mean, I know I'm on your email list, so I get these emails letting me know about what's going on in your life. I don't know if that's like open to everybody um, or if you have a website or if there's social media that people can follow that will um, you know, be able to connect them to you and as well as music, like where can people check out your music? So give us your social media details as well as where we can, where we can, uh, you know, connect with you. Well, I mean, uh, I, you can go to eliaswallace.com, uh, to, to see some of the music that I'm doing. Um, I just did a remix with a big, huge Brazilian rapper, um, and, a, a Mexico city battle rapper, and a Danish pop star. And um, I have more music that's coming out in Europe um, as well. And and I think that it has uh, it's some of the best quality music I've ever created. And for those of you mm. who know who, it's not hip hop. I'm not doing rap so much anymore. I'm, I'm, I sing more neo soul and soul. And, and mm-hmm. then, I, I, but I'm also not limited by that. One of my songs that I just did a music video for is, almost more um oh gosh i don't even know if it has a it's more like folk americana oh so it's really weird it. like, it's like its own own kind of thing so so there's eliaswalls.com and then um you know maybe another time i can talk with you about some of the projects we want to do in france um because well one of the things i'm trying to do is uh, and maybe we talk about it with the with the Music is that I'm I'm trying to uh, work in partnership with some uh, church planters in France to start a arts and cultural center. Um, mm-hmm. Not a we're gonna have that conversation. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> so uh, I, you know I'm in the uh, in the the uh, the process of uh, for the past uh, year trying to purchase a, a property. In 
brand. So yeah, so yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. Um, but if you hit me up on eliaswallace.com, I'm sure you can. Uh, you know, or or on Instagram at Elias Wallace, you can always talk to me and and uh, I can uh, share with you where I'm, I'm moving forward and, and doing things musically or, or otherwise. No, that's great. Yeah. And I, and I do, I think, you know, our next, next time we're going to do another one of these conversations, we would, we should definitely talk more about the, uh, the center that you're looking to, to put together in France, because it's really fascinating to, um, you know, I don't want to give it all away, but I mean, there's this connection where you're trying to have a cultural art center. You're trying to plant churches. Um, you're having discipleship yeah. stuff happen and it's also, yeah, it's like, it's, uh, I think it's a really it's exploring, cool. It's exploring the, the, the idea of institution, cultural institutions. Yeah. And why is it that it, that has been abandoned by Christians for the most part, other than mm-hmm. again, creating some parallel Christian institutions. Um, yeah. Why not just institutions period? So mm-hmm. anyways, that's, that's something that we could explore and talk about. I, I yeah, we need to. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate you giving me the time, brother. It's great. Oh man, it's been it's been so great. Yeah. So for those of you listening, viewing, you can uh, obviously follow, like, subscribe, all those type of things. I got all the information in the description below. Um, but it's been a real honor to talk with Elias. I definitely want to encourage you to check out his music, um, follow him on social media, all that type of stuff because he's very insightful. He uh, he has a lot of great things to say and will help, I think, encourage your faith as well as your thinking. So thanks a lot, Elias. Thanks, man. Woo!